again, I want to welcome you and thank you for joining us online as we celebrate Easter together. This is the first time in 2,000 years of history that the church will actually not be able to gather together physically to celebrate Easter. But regardless of these unprecedented circumstances in which we live, the message of Easter remains the same, that he is risen and Jesus is the hope of the world. And so I want to give a big shout out to everyone that is watching. I want to give a shout out to all the college students that are home from school. You had to abruptly leave your campuses and didn't get a chance to say goodbye to your classmates and all and your professors. I also want to give a big shout out there to all the high school students and the middle school students. And then we have people watching from all over, including the Lone Star State of Texas. A shout out to you. Welcome. And I know we come to Easter for many different reasons, but we're here to celebrate. And a month ago, who would have imagined that we would be doing Easter online? But here we are, and I'm so glad that you're here. It's going to be a great morning. I want to thank you for joining us. Every high school student, every young adult, every college student, every mom, every dad, every grandfather, every grandmother, every great-grandmother, every great-grandfather, we love that you are here and you joined us. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to talk about why Easter matters. I want to talk about how Easter can change your life. I want to talk about why Easter makes you better and why Easter makes you better at life. I think we all want to be better at life, don't we? I want to talk about why you should want to believe in Easter. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to be reading from the Bible. We're going to be explaining the Easter story. We are going to unpack how the Easter story then applies to all of our lives. And so we're going to talk about, again, why Easter makes your life better and why it makes you better at life. So let's pray, and then we're going to jump into the story. And so, Father, thank you that we are here. I pray that you would bless us as we talk about the Easter story. I pray that you would help me to be clear and concise and to the point, and that we would leave our time here together understanding why it is that you came and why you were resurrected from the dead and the profound implications that that has in our lives for today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you've joined us. And we want to continue to pray for the health workers that are risking their lives to to help others. We want to pray for those that are anxious and fearful because of the pandemic that we're facing. We want to pray for people that are facing financial hardship. We want to recognize that this is a time to be light in the world. And we want to pray for those that would um, just be in really difficult places because of the pandemic. So as we begin here this morning, what I want to do is give us a context for the resurrection story. Because the Bible talks about Good Friday, and we heard about that on Friday, where Jesus was bloodied, and Jesus was beaten, and it was ugly, and it was gruesome. And Jesus was nailed to a cross to pay for the penalty of the sins of the world. My sins and your sins. His death was brutal, and his death was final. And Jesus' followers after this, they were confused. They were shocked. They were stunned. They were fearful. They were full of fear. And so the disciples watched as Jesus hung on the cross there, tortured, and he bled out. The sky turned dark. His followers abandoned him. 
Jesus breathed his final breath upon the cross. And the next day, there, Saturday, Jesus, who proclaimed to be God, is dead and in a tomb. And how is it that God can be dead? Jesus declared himself to be the exclusive savior of the world, God in the flesh, and now he is dead. He said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But how can the life be put to death? Jesus said that he was God, but now the one that said he was God did what God could never do, and that is that he had died. Now their leader is dead. It's a bad day. It's a bad day for the disciples. And the disciples, they are in total, complete meltdown mode. They have hit the eject button. Everybody has bailed on Christ after the crucifixion. They were running for their lives. They didn't know what to do. The dream was over. Their hero was dead. And Jesus' followers unfollowed him. Collectively, they said, this is it. Like, we know when a good thing is over and the dream is over. And so all their hopes and their dreams had died with him. The hope was dead. The disciples were despondent, discouraged, and defeated. And God is silent. They're just going to go back to their old way of life. And I think Peter said it so well. When Peter, he spoke for all of the disciples, really, and he said, the Bible records it. He said that he's going to go back and go fishing, going to go back to his old gig, back to his old life, because the dream was over. And interestingly, the Bible says that the rest of the disciples followed him. Nobody had even an ounce of hope. Perhaps you've been there. Perhaps you can relate to that. No hope and no options. And a woman named Mary Magdalene, who was completely mourned out, went looking for the body and expected to find a dead body. And I want to read to you from John chapter 20, verse 1, where it says this. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found out that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. And she ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. And she turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you put him and I will go and get him. So Mary is thinking a worst case scenario that somebody has taken the body and stolen the body. And Mary thinks that there is no possible way that Jesus could be risen from the dead. She sees Jesus Jesus, and she thinks that he's like the gardener. Because who comes back from the dead? No one was expecting a resurrection. They expected Jesus to stay dead. So Saturday was a divine setup of the greatest comeback of all time in the history of mankind. Because there was God, there was the Almighty, engineering the resurrection. And God was engineering the most death-defined grave-defeating, hope-giving day in the history of mankind. I want to continue reading from Matthew's account in Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 1. It says, After the Sabbath, at the dawn of the first day of the week, 
Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. And the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead. And so these are the words that change everything for everybody for all time. He is risen from the dead. No one expected it. They expected Jesus to stay dead. No one was expecting a resurrection. We can't find anybody in the scriptures there that are placing their bets on the resurrection. Not one of Jesus' followers was thinking it's time to celebrate with a resurrection rally on the third day. No, no one was standing over the grave, getting ready to give speeches there, talking about, hey, everybody, don't panic. We remember that Jesus Christ is going to come back from the dead. That didn't happen. There were no followers running around the streets of Jerusalem and declaring, we know the resurrection is going to happen any moment now because Jesus said it. There was none of that. None of the followers stood up above the grave, around the grave, and declared, come on, everybody. We know what's going to happen. Jesus is going to blast out of that tomb any moment now. Let's count together. Everybody ready to count? Here we go. Ten, nine. That didn't happen. The resurrection is just crazy. The resurrection seemed absolutely impossible. It seemed unbelievable. It was unexplainable. And yet, we're going to find out it was undeniable because thousands of people would be walking through the streets of Jerusalem saying, I saw him. And the resurrection changed their lives forever. And they had one central message found in Acts chapter 3, verse 15, where they said, you killed the author of life. And we are witnesses of this fact. And the message was, Jesus, the author of life, whom you killed. And they could point and they could say, and it was, it was right over there that you killed the author of life. And weeks ago, you killed him. And over there, there's a tomb. But the tomb, it's now empty. And he is risen. And we have seen him. And yeah, we know it's, un- it's unexplainable. And it's unimaginable. And it's unbelievable. But we're here to tell you that it's not impossible because it is absolutely undeniable that Jesus Christ, he's risen from the dead. And now, what about us? What about us here watching online the first time in the history of mankind that we're not meeting physically and we're watching church online? What about us? What difference does the resurrection make? So I want to suggest to you why you would want to believe in the resurrection. I want to suggest to you the implications of the resurrection because they are profoundly powerful, they are profoundly personal, and they will change your life. It impacts every area of your life. Let me show you a few ways that Easter makes you better 
and makes you better at life. I want to draw your attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, that says this. It says, He included everyone in his death so that everyone could be included in his life, a resurrected life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. Do you want to have a better life than you could ever have on your own? Notice the Bible says he included everyone. You see, Easter is for everyone. It is radically inclusive. You want to believe in the resurrection because you could have a far better life. Who doesn't want to have a far better life? I want to show the practical implications of the resurrection and how the resurrection helps you on Monday morning when you have to get up, when you have to wake up tomorrow. First thing I'd like to point out to us from this story is this is that the resurrection gives you hope. A living Jesus means you have living hope. Don't you want to have hope for your life? We live in days that are really hard, days of pain and confusion and doubt and wondering about the future. We live in days where people are going through incredibly emotionally cataclysmic times here. We live in days where people have all kinds of physical issues and emotional issues and relational issues. Wouldn't you agree with me that this is a time where people need to have a fresh wind of hope to fill their sails? Wouldn't you agree that we could use a little fresh wind to blow through our heart and our soul? Hope. Think about it. Hope. We all need hope. Hope is why college students go to college. Hope is why you ask somebody out on a date. Hope is why entrepreneurs start businesses. Hope is why we are hoping for a better day, why we're hoping for a brighter future. The resurrection of Jesus is the basis and the foundation for us having hope. Without the resurrection, there really is no basis for hope. I love what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. How Peter said, he has caused us, in one's translation it says, he has caused us to have for all time a living hope. It says he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have a Savior. And the Bible declares that before Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, a grand total of one time, Hope was used in the Bible. But after Jesus raised from the dead, the word hope is used 70 times. So Jesus is the one that brings hope to our our human existence. Our hope does not come from something that is out there ethereal, but our hope comes from someone, from a person, from the resurrected Jesus Christ. So you want to believe in Easter because it gives you hope for all time in your life. I think another reason why we want to believe in Easter is this, that Easter makes you better and makes you better at life. The resurrection gives you power, the power to overcome your past, no matter how painful that it is. Imagine the implications of the resurrection power that's available to you. It is legit real power. There's an incredible verse in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20 
that says this. Paul was praying and he says, I pray. Imagine the great apostle Paul says, I pray that you would understand the incredible greatness of God's power. It is so incredibly great here. For those of us who believe, don't you want to believe that the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead is available to you? Do you see what it's saying that Easter is an invitation? Easter is an invitation to experience the resurrection power of Jesus every day in your life. This is not just a holiday. This is not just something that we, that we experience once a year. The resurrection power can take all the things in my life, all the things in your life that are dead and dying and bring them back to life. The power of the resurrection. I'm telling you, it is the power to change your life. It is the power to take all things broken in your life. And God, by his power, can transform them. Transform your brokenness into something that is beautiful. The power that is available, think of it, for the totality of life, for your marriage, for the raising of kids. The power that's available that you can have morals. The power that is able to unscramble your your emotions. The power of the resurrection is real power. It's a power to get past your past, no matter how painful. I wonder this morning, who's watching online that needs to let go of your past? A past that perhaps you're stuck in. A past that keeps raising its ugly head. We're stuck in guilt or unforgiveness or perhaps grudges. Perhaps destructive habits, dent and relationships. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's bitterness. Whatever's in your past. Maybe it's your hurts or your hang-ups. There are things in your past that can cause you to be stuck. The power of the resurrection is that you can be unstuck from what has stuck you in the past there. The power of the resurrection is the power to start over. It's the power for a new day. It's the power to be free. It's the power to be the best version of who you could be if you're connected to the living Christ. It's the power for a new beginning. Not only that, the power of the resurrection is a power to help you keep going. I don't know about you, but sometimes we need a little extra power to keep going. The power to give you strength when your strength, it fails you. God gives us power that sustains us, that keeps us, that enables us, that capacitates us, that empowers us. You see, that's what God's power is able to do. There is no power like the power of God. There's no power like the resurrection power. And so God gives us power to give us strength, power for the day. I also want to talk to you about Easter and what Easter does, and that is that Easter makes you right with God. Easter makes you right with God. Jesus' death destroys the power of, of every ugly thing that has happened in your life that stands between you and your God. The Bible says, for your sins have separated you from your God. So Jesus was forsaken so that you and I would never have to be forsaken. Imagine this, the horror of this moment that God experienced when God turned his back on his son 
so that God would never have to, to turn his back on the sons of God. God would never have to turn his back on you because God turned his back on Jesus. Jesus was alienated. Jesus was separated from God so that you and I would never have to be alienated so that we would never have to be separated from God. I love how the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, that Christ suffered for our sins for all time, once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to safely bring you home to God. That is the gospel. That's the good news, that Jesus died for you to bring you safely home to God so you can be made right with God, so you can have a a right standing, a right relationship with God, where there is nothing between you and the Almighty because of what Jesus did on the cross. Your sins are forgiven. The Bible says in Isaiah that though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And so that's what God can do to you. God can take your past no matter how dark, no matter how you've lived, and make you as white as snow. The good news of Easter is this, is that because Christ is risen, every single one of us have the opportunity to be forgiven. No matter how dark your past, no matter what you've been with, who you've been with, no matter what you put in your body, no matter what state you are in, you can be as white as snow. Your internal moral state can be as white as snow. That's good news, friends. And he takes your failures. He takes your brokenness. And he nails it to the cross. And there is forgiveness at the cross. I mean, who wouldn't want that for your life? So in Jesus Christ, he not only forgives us, but he adopts us into his family and we become the children of God, the sons and the daughters of the Most High God. And the Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 16, a well-known, oft-repeated scripture that says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him will never perish, but have everlasting life. And so the gates are flung wide open that this life is for all of us for eternal life. Death is not the end of your story. The coronavirus is not the end of your story. Death is not the end of your story. Perhaps the coronavirus is a chapter, a moment in the history of our story, but is not the end of our story. Everyone who believes, Jesus said, will have eternal life. Don't you want to believe? Why wouldn't you believe? Because believing, the opportunity to believe, it's radically inclusive. Anybody can come. Anyone can have life forever. Where the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead can resurrect you to eternal life in God's presence. The resurrection power of Jesus punches death, like punches death in the mouth and says, death, we are going in a different direction. And the good news is Easter is that God's hand is extended toward you, like my hands are extended toward you. And it's been said this, that 
There are a thousand steps separating us from God. Imagine that. A thousand steps separating us from God. And Jesus took 999 steps of them. But he waits for us to take one last step. And I wonder if you're here this morning watching online and you need to take that last step. It's up to you. Jesus said, I want you to believe in me. He literally said, be not unbelieving, but believe. I want you to believe in me. Jesus is waiting for us to take the last step. Perhaps some of you have done that and perhaps you're watching and you need to do that. This could be your opportunity to take the last step, to reach out to God as he is reaching out to you and simply say, I believe. That's all you need to do. I need the resurrection in my life. I need to have Jesus in my life and I'm asking the resurrected Jesus to come into my life right here and right now on Easter. Would you want to say, I believe? Many of you are going to put your hand in God's hand. And God wants you to come to him. Regardless of your imperfections, regardless of your past and what you've done, doesn't really matter. Your sins are covered by the, by the blood of Jesus. So let's pray together. And then the worship team is going to come back and lead us in another worship song. And Father, I thank you for everybody that is watching. I thank you for those that need to say, I believe. And so I'm going to pause for just a moment. And in your heart of hearts, would you say to your heavenly Father, I believe. I want to be a child of God. I want to receive your forgiveness. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that hope is available to me, that power is available to me, that I can have right standing with God, that I don't need to be alienated, but God and I can walk in fellowship and relationship with one another. So if you prayed that prayer, you become his child. And I bless you in Jesus' name. Well, it's been a great morning. And I want to invite you to receive a blessing. If you want to just put your hands out, we put empty hands before God and God is the one, the resurrected Christ is the one that fills our hands. And so if you could do that, as uh, put yourself in a posture to receive God's blessing and I would like to pray this blessing over you. Father, as you see your children, I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would watch over them, that you would keep them safe. I pray that you would strengthen them I pray that you would give them your grace. I pray that they, when they call out to you, they would know that you are a God who hears their prayer. I pray that you would do this and that you would do more. And I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God bless you and have a great Easter.